Father, thank you that we can glory in the cross. Thank you that we don't have to live in the shame of our sin and to know that when you forgive us, you forgive us of all of our sin. I pray, Lord, that you would help us as we go into this new week that starting with today that all of the blessings that we have already seen and heard and and known from your word that it would carry us throughout this coming week. We pray again for those who are traveling this week that you would give them safety. For those who are sick, that you would encourage their hearts. We thank you, Lord, for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, him, all right, lesson number 14, my job and my employer. We, um, I think it's important for us to understand from what we would call a, a biblical perspective on what work is for. You see, there are a lot of people that believe that they, uh, that they work in order to be able to eat, and it's just a necessary evil. It's one of those things that we have to do because we've got to be able to have money in the bank and pay our bills and do all of those things. And yet the Bible is very clear that from actually a, a, a reformed or what would be termed maybe a more reformed perspective is this, that we actually eat so that we can go and work. We have the privilege of being able to work. In fact, even before there was any sin in the garden, do you remember what Adam was commanded to do? Take care of the garden. That's work. And because he went into the garden ere he was commanded to go into the garden to be able to take care of all of the trees, to be able to take care of everything, to tend to all of it, and then for him and Eve to be able to multiply and fill the earth, that's what God called them to do. Now, for those who don't like the thought of work, there, I think, is a misunderstanding or a perspective that we have that when we get to heaven that we're just going to sit around and, and, and wear our, our halo and wear our wings and we're going to strum on a harp for all of eternity. I don't believe that at all. I believe heaven is a, a wonderful place and I believe that between heaven and the new earth that will be given here, I believe that we are going to find that there are things maybe that God has in store for us to be able to reflect his goodness, his grace and his mercy throughout all of eternity. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like. In the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, what did you have? You had a perfect environment. You had fellowship with God every single day, but there were still things that God expected uh, Adam and Eve to be able to do. Even when we get to the, the book of Exodus and we find that, that God has commanded them, in fact, he reiterates, uh, he reiterates the command to be able to work to Adam and Eve. But it didn't stop there. Do you remember what happened at the flood? What happened with Noah? What was Noah commanded to do when he got off the ark? Build an altar, and then what? Replenish the earth to be able to work, to be able to take care of what God has given. And then, of course, we know, as we mentioned this morning in the book of Romans, that even the earth itself longs to be released from the burden that it is under. Sin is bound, or sin has bound this earth uh, with bands and chains that, that uh, allow the things that we see to take place. In the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no earthquakes. There will be no hurricanes. There will be no tornadoes. There will be nothing but complete perfection. 
When God created the heavens and the earth, it says that he created everything and he saw it and it was good. And then, of course, he gets to the pinnacle of his creation and he looks at Adam and Eve and he says, it is very good. You see, that's what, that's what separates us from the rest of creation. Nothing else was created out of the ground like Adam and Eve were. And they were created out of the dust of the ground. God created them and then breathed into them the breath of life. He created them in his own image and man became a living soul. So when we look at work, my purpose with the lesson this evening is for us to be able to come away from this lesson having a different perspective on both our job as well as our employer. Now, one of the interesting things about uh, having the girls as they're growing up now is uh, instilling, seeking to instill them what we've been teaching them all along. Now, they think they've only just started working. They've actually been working all along, those who have families, right? I mean, uh, yeah, there we go. Thumbs, thumbs up there from, there from Brother Logan. Uh, what kind of things are they doing that is work? Chores. Chores. And if they are struggling to be able to understand the concept of chores and why we do them to the best of our ability, uh, may, maybe some of the young people have heard this one. If it's worth doing right, the first time, then do it right. Correct? In other words, if, if mom and dad ask you to do something, we should do it right and we should do it to the best of our ability. Colossians chapter 3 says, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Right? Ephes or Ecclesiastes tells us the same thing. And so when we get to the point where the children are young, young people now and they're 15 or 16 years old, do you understand that the reason we see a lot of the problems in the workplace today when you go in and you get poor customer service? Now we could probably spend a long time here, but the reason you see poor customer service is because of what? Not being, not being taught to do things, and more importantly, not being taught that doing your work is doing it as unto the Lord. Not we've talked about we talk about that all the time. What is your heart attitude? Well, well, can you believe my boss asked me to clean the bathrooms today? That's not in my job description. Is it in your job description? There we go. Yeah, it's normally one line down on page 329, subparagraph. Yeah, exactly. Because if they want you to do something, the needs of the company actually overrule whatever it is. And they can ask you anything that is not morally an issue. They can ask you to do whatever. I remember talking with Brother Tim when he was working over at Jack's. And, and some of the stories that he shared about these young people come in have no concept whatsoever of hard work they can show up whenever they want to they couldn't be fired they can show up two out of five days or be gone for an entire week and then just walk in and pretend like they were here yesterday and you ask them to do their work and if they don't want to do it they just you know hey we'll just sit here and play on our phone all day long i mean isn't that what happens uh, go, go to a fast food restaurant I mean, fast food used to be fast food. I think you can get quicker service at Texas Roadhouse these days than some of the fast food restaurants that are out there. Same price 
It is about the same price. We were talking about that the other day, and one of the girls had just gotten off work, and we went, and uh, they said, well, this price, and they were weighing it all out. And I said, listen, I can remember going to McDonald's, and it used to be 39 cents for a plain hamburger and 49 cents for a cheeseburger. I mean, 10 whole cents for a slice of cheese that wasn't even really cheese. And then we were talking, and I think the, the I can remember the uh, a filet of fish was like a dollar nineteen or something like that. I mean, a fish filet now is like almost four bucks, and they haven't changed the size of it. I mean, I would have thought they would have thrown some more fish on there or whatever. You're not old enough. I paid fifteen cents for a hamburger, fifteen cents for a fries, and ten cents for a drink. Well, I don't know if my dad can remember. I was a, yeah. I'm not a teenager yet. Yeah, I can remember my dad making a comment because I think one of the first McDonald's was out there where you guys lived in California, wasn't it? Do you remember what the cost was? Yeah. That was wimpy. Yeah. <laughs> Here's here's what we here's what we want to understand. Regardless of what the rest of the world does, if your boss is looking at you and your colleagues are looking at you, who do they see? They should see Jesus. Which means that we should be doing it to the best of our ability. I shouldn't be doing my job because somebody is sitting over my shoulder watching me. I shouldn't be doing it if everybody else is not doing their job. What should I be doing? My job. I mean, if if that's what if we are saying that we are whether First Corinthians chapter ten verse thirty one, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, do all to the glory of God. And we can't do all to the glory of God if we're not treating our job as something that is given from God. I'm going to tell myself here, we were, I had moved back to England after going to Bible college and I had come back to England and um, I had been applying at different places and it's, it's difficult here sometimes, but go to another country even though that's where you're born in and you don't speak the English language like they do. And so that has an impact on whether you get job offers or not. And I can remember going and I getting this one job offer and this, this, uh, uh, I went, uh, back home and we went through the whole process and mom and dad were actually over at the house the day that I got the call from this particular company and this company, this, the boss man on the other end, his name was Simon and Simon says, we would like to offer you extend a job offer to you to be able to go and work. And my first response was, well, I was actually hoping for something better. I didn't tell him that, but I was hoping for something better, maybe a little bit more pay. And I said, well, I said, uh, and I tried to make it sound real spiritual. I said, well, you know, I told you I was a Christian. I want to be able to spend time praying about this. Um, so I'll get back with you. And I hung up the phone and dad's standing over there staring at me. And I knew I was going to get the dad talk. <laughs> and dad said, wait a minute. He said, you've been praying for a job. And you went and interviewed at the job and God gave the boss man the grace to be willing to call you out of all people. I said, I'll call him back. And I took the job. You see, we have a 
we, we, we set ourselves up sometimes a lot for failure. It, it's, it's like when, when God gives us the ability to do something, and it could be anything. You know, we ask God, we, we want to be a good steward of, of our money, or we want to be a good steward of whatever. And I have tried to, now, now my kids are all different, okay, when it comes to eating. All of my kids, except for one, we won't mention Abigail, but <laughs> everybody in the family is not picky. They will eat anything that doesn't eat them first. And even when we were over in Africa, we, were, we would eat grub worms, these little bamboo worms. We'll tell you the story about it sometime. And they were actually really good. That was the only thing that she ate that, was, that she would be picky about, and she liked them. But we'd go to a store, we sit down at a restaurant, and it's like a whole menu of, ugh, 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 don't like that, ugh. And I said, wait a minute. I said, did we just give thanks to the Lord for what he has provided for us? I mean, can you imagine all the countries that don't have the ability to be able to go out and eat? I mean, we go into the grocery store and there's one entire aisle on both sides that's nothing but cereal choices. When we were in Liberia, the only thing we could get was oatmeal. And there are a lot of places that are like that. And, and, and you know, when we first got there, and I'm not meaning to pick on you, I'm just using this as an example. But when we got there, that's exactly my thought because I can't stand goat meal. I don't like gruel. But you know what? When we left Liberia, I, lear- I had learned to like what God had given us and what he had blessed us with. And a lot of times, if, if we are not careful, we will begin to, we will say that we are thanking God for this or we're thanking God for that, whether it's our job, whether it's our, our finances, whether it's whatever. And then on the other side, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. And we're thanking God for it. And on the other hand, we're complaining because of what we actually have. You know, I mean, we, we talk, for example, anybody know what the gas prices are today? Okay. The lowest place we ever paid for gas was here in Cheyenne back in 2000, I believe it was 2000, we paid 97 cents a gallon. Well, I can remember gas being a lot lower than that, but that's what I actually paid the lowest was, was 97 cents. Mine was 15 cents a gallon. And you know what? We complain and we complain and we complain. There are places around the world that are that are lining up for blocks, miles, just to be able to get a little bit of gas in their tank. I can remember going when I was a kid and going with my dad and us sitting in lines when he was stationed in Mississippi in long lines during the so-called energy crisis. Anybody remember that? Yeah. Just to be able to pull up to the gas tank so you could get three or four gallons. I mean, that didn't go very far in a big LTD Ford LTD, big boat. Well, I believe that if we are going to be Christ followers, I believe that we really need to learn to adjust our attitudes. I really believe that we need to recognize that our true vocation is to serve Jesus Christ. Let's look at a few verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 27. Down through the years, and I'm sure my dad could probably tell you this as well. 
invariably, anytime you have a church building or you have a place where the, the church gathers together, you have people that come by pretty regularly or they call you up and they want handout. You know, I'm short on my rent this month. We get those every week here. Short on my rent, short on this, short on that. And I have taken, many years ago, I have taken to asking some questions. And I say, listen, before we proceed, I, I want to be able to ask you some questions because not only do I expect you to be a good steward of what God has given you, if we're going to help you, we have to be a good steward as well. And so I ask questions like this. And you, some of you, are probably going to be very surprised. I ask them, do you have cable TV? Do you smoke cigarettes? Do you drink alcohol? Well, what does that have to do with anything? I said, because if you've got money for that, you've got money for food. Now, we're not trying to be nasty, but why should we support somebody's habit? Yes, we are to be able to help take care, and we do, I think, a very good job of helping to be able to take care of those who are within this local fellowship. That's what I believe God calls us to do. But I also believe that if God gives you the ability and the strength to be able to go, and get, go out and get a job, you pay for the things that are important. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For just as one, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Here's simply what Paul is saying. Everybody can't be the CEO of a company. Everybody can't flip burgers at McDonald's. It takes people of all walks of life all being willing to do whatever the talents. Not everybody can be an accountant or take care of taxes or whatever it is that, that you are doing with your particular life, whatever God has called you to do. I'm thankful, uh, Brother Logan, they, they mentioned, how many acres do you guys do out there? 500. I can't grow tomatoes on a single vine in my backyard. <laughs> and he's taking care of 500, acre, or five, 500 acres. But whatever it is that he is called to do, I, just as I am tasked with the responsibility of being able to do my best as unto the Lord to minister the word of God, so too he has the responsibility to be able to show to his family that he's doing the best with what God has given him. Because when we get to heaven, God is not going to ask Brother Gabe or Brother Tim or, or Brother Doug, uh, what did you do when you were down there as pastor at Yellowstone Baptist Church? Because that's not what God has called them to do. He's going to ask you, were you faithful where you were planted? In whatever it is that you were required or that I required you to do. What is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2? Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And the question is, are you faithful? Am I faithful? Let's continue here. 
because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would make, not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as, what does it say? He pleases, as he chooses. Somebody read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 for me, please. In the in the vocation where in the walk where God has called you, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're doing that with gentleness and goodness and faith, uh, somebody look at Matthew chapter five verse sixteen for me, please. Make sure I've got the right one here. Yes, Matthew five sixteen. If the only place that you and I ever act like a Christian is right here in church on a Sunday morning, are we actually showing forth our good works to the world? No. That means that everywhere we go, every place we go, we should be reflected. And I know we've talked about this and we've joked around about it. We're driving down the road and we get behind. Somebody was talking about following an old guy down Yellowstone. Was that you the other day? It was some, somebody here was making a comment about following some old guy down Yellowstone. I thought it was because they were behind me. Mike, yes, it was. It was behind Mike. And I give Mike a hard time because Mike's got a bit of a lead foot. And, but even in that, what if we were to pull off at the next gas station and both of us and we walk in and they see us go to give a track to the clerk? Say, wait a minute, weren't, weren't you the guy that was just being rude on the road? Weren't weren't you the guy that was just cutting me off in traffic? You see, every aspect of our life has to point to Jesus Christ. Even even when we walk, for example, into the grocery store. I believe that it's important. That is a great place to be able to train your children how to die to self. I get so tired. One of the reasons I hate Walmart, I hate Walmart with a passion. I think I've been into a Walmart one time in the last six months. And the time before that was probably another six months before that. I do not go to Walmart. Mom and Dad love Walmart. And my sisters, they like going to Walmart. I don't. Do you know why I don't like going to Walmart? Please tell us. Please tell us. People are rude. People are rude. And it's not just the people that are rude. It's listening to the little two and three-year-olds tell mom and dad what they have to have in order for life to work for them today. Gimme, 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 gimme. And you know what we're doing? We're teaching our children not to have a spirit of thankfulness when we allow them to do that. If they can't learn what it means to hear the word no when they're two and three years old, they're not going to understand what the word no means when they become a teenager or when they become an adult. 
and they become older as an adult and nobody's ever told them no. That's the reason why we're in such a mess here. Brother Tim and I have talked about that quite a bit. The reason why these people think that they are so entitled that they can do whatever they want to. They can go into a city, they can burn it to the ground, they can destroy businesses, they can, they can kill or, or rampage through a city. They do all of these things because they never learn what no means. So when we go to the grocery store, there are a lot of times, Daddy, can I have? No, I don't think this is what's best for you today. I think that it also teaches our children something else. It also teaches them that we are not going to... Let me ask it this way. Do you know what those racks are called that are right by the cash register? Does anybody know what they're called? Impulse. They are called impulse shelves. And they are there because you've done all of your shopping. You don't need anything else. By the way, all that candy... Did you notice that that same candy is actually available on half an aisle all by itself in the grocery store? But because you didn't walk down that one, all you went in for was milk and cereal and something for dinner and you come out with $150 worth of groceries. And then you get to the cash register and your kids are surrounded on both sides by gum and chocolate. Who do you think they're trying to get a hold of? Whose attention? The kids. We're teaching the kids. You can have it, and you can have it right now. Now, is there anything wrong with chocolate? No, there's nothing wrong with chocolate. There's nothing wrong with having gum. There's nothing wrong with things in moderation. But what we're teaching our kids is this, and we're living the same way. Oh, yeah, okay, well, it's okay. Just go ahead and whatever, whatever you want. We're teaching them they can have it right now. throwing a tantrum, then if you give them what they want, they'll quiet down. Oh, yeah. L- listen, you know, and, and it's, not just, it's not just Walmart that they do that in. But you go, go to the store and look at a little two-year-old who's sitting in the cart who's kicking mom and dad and using foul, vulgar language because they're not getting what they want. And instead of teaching them the fear of the Lord, what they're doing is saying, okay, I will bend my will to yours and when they're bending their will, the parents are being bent, their will is being bent to a two-year-old. What happens when that child becomes 12 or 13? Even in church environments, and the kids don't want to go to church at 12 or 13 because mom and dad have not told them the importance of no down through the years. Whatever happened to, well, when I was growing up, Yeah. We cry and, you know, kind of rub our bum and then don't do that again. Yeah. And society fought against that. Yeah. And, and a lot of parents would probably be lining up if your kids screamed loud, and lo- loud enough and long enough. They'd be lining up to deal their discipline as well. I've gone to parents that still do it in stores and I say, good job. Yeah. But you don't see it that often anymore because you're going to end up getting, somebody's going to get sued or just, uh, arrested or whatever. Well, kids have learned also emancipation. 
Yeah. Here's your job. Your first job, mom and dad. Your first job is your ministry. And everybody here is in the ministry, whether you realize it or not. This is why it's important for us to have time in devotions with our kids. Why it's important for us to spend time praying with our wife or with our husband. Why it's important to sit down and make sure that we're on the same page in everything that we are doing. Because that is a ministry. When I go to the store, and I'll be honest, I don't do it as perfectly as I should, not even close, but when I go into the store and I'm the one doing the grocery shopping, I am being careful. I am trying to remember what I have learned in regards to being a good steward of what God has given me. And then we go home, we cook the meal, we sit down, we give thanks to God for the food. That means that we're not going to sit here and complain about what's on the table. We're going to be thankful for that. Not only our first ministry is to our family, but our ministry is also to our church family. Look at Galatians chapter 6, if somebody would like to read that for us. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. And while you're looking at that, your service for God is to be at all times, not just when you go to church. 1 Peter chapter 3, do you remember what that passage says? Be ready always to give an answer to... Everyone who asks you of the reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. How do we do that? That means that we, wherever we go, we need to be pointing to Jesus Christ. And I know some of you have heard the illustration that I gave when we were in Liberia. And I was training some of the men there. And we went into this little village, for those of you who haven't heard it. And we were in this little village. And, and one of the men that, that, that had actually just finished teaching that morning we were sitting under one of the great big trees and we had a number of people there underneath the tree and and we got done and we were all hungry so we went into the marketplace and this man was extremely rude to one of the ladies one of the young ladies had a little baby and she was sitting there trying to sell her wares and and she was trying to take care of the baby she was breastfeeding the baby and and he says hey woman put, put the baby down take care of me now, you have to understand that in the Liberian culture, that's the way they do things, okay? That's, nobody's taught them differently. And so we finished. We bought what we were going to buy, and the woman did exactly what he asked. And we were on the way back, and I began to think that this would be a good time to be able to have a little lesson. And I said, um, George, his name was George, great big guy. In fact, he was about as tall as you are. And I said, George, and he's sitting right beside me. He's all curled up in the passenger seat beside me as I'm driving. And I said, George, um, what's going to happen when you go into that village next week and you start knocking on the doors in the village and that particular woman answers the door after you just treated her the way that you did? And you want to invite her to church to come hear about Jesus, the same Jesus that's going to change her life. And you've just been rude. And he said, Pasumai, I understand. You see, everything that we do has an impact. We can't go to a restaurant and start giving out tracks if, if the tracks that we're giving out don't reflect our own lives. 
you know, I, I have heard I have heard people multiple times. I've got some extended family members live a long way away, and I can remember going to restaurants, and and they would just be looking for ways to get out of giving a tip, and yet claim to be Christians. And they would justify this, and 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 one of them actually has, and it's not our side of the family, but they actually have a list. And they tick boxes. They actually write it down on a piece of paper. They didn't do this. They didn't do this. And they're justifying. And then they finally get done. We got up one time from a restaurant. There was like all all the boys, the girls, Violet and I, the other side. And they got up and left a dollar and said that was all the service was worth today. You know, it's kind of hard to get up from that seeing a dollar on the table and you want to give a track to somebody, that is not the time and place to do it. You know, one of the things that I appreciate, and I heard some of the conversation before the, the service here, even this evening, and we're talking about inviting people, and, and there are people that we work with or that we see at the grocery store or that we see in their workplace or whatever. If you were to start pulling out a track to give to them to invite to the service, would they be willing to accept that? Or would they say... If that's what actually reflects your life, then I don't want anything to do with it. Who has Galatians six ten? As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Anybody here ever have a bad day? Ever had a bad day at work? Yeah. Do we want somebody to treat us with kindness or we just want to rip heads off? Sometimes we feel that way, don't we? Yeah. I mean, you were talking about a week ago, we were talking and you were saying driving down the road in a great big truck, it takes you three football fields to be able to stop. And then some person in a little Toyota or a Kia Soul or whatever pulls in front of you and wants to slam on the brakes. Yeah. You know, in a situation like that, how do we encourage Brother Corey? How do we help him to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ? How do we disciple him in that situation? You know, what we should be doing is asking the same kind of questions like Brother Diego has said when he comes up and he says, hey, how are you treating your wife this week? Or how did you treat your wife this last week? How did you treat your kids this last week? Brother Corey, I know you have a stressful job, but I want you to know that I was praying for you. I'm sure you probably had people cut you off. I hope that you handled it in a manner that was glorifying to Jesus Christ. You see, that helps us to be able to change, and it encourages one another to be able to change in the areas that we need to change. Because too often, we even Brother Diego and I have talked about this, a lot of times we're coming to church on a Sunday, we're playing the Sunday morning game and the rest of the week living for like the devil sometimes. Our job, your job, is a ministry opportunity. And it's not just a job that we have to minister to those who are around us, but also to let the lost world know that we serve a Savior. At the end of the day, we're going to go home one day, we're going to retire. Every one of us are going to retire from our jobs. And then before long, we're going to close our eyes in death and we're going to be standing with God for all of eternity. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, did I point in my life to Jesus Christ? 
Or was I just like everybody else? You know, the cemeteries are full of people who thought they were indispensable. And when we close our eyes in death, if we have not pointed to Jesus Christ, we are going to not give anything more than just, maybe you've heard the little poem, the dash between the lines. Birth date, death date, what does that little dash represent? Is everything within that dash representative of Jesus Christ? Or is it that we sought to get our own way? You see, this is true biblical discipleship. This is seeking to understand the scriptures to the point where it changes every aspect of us. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, we have said this multiple times. The scriptures are good for all that pertains to life and godliness, not just on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night. Changing every part of us. You know, your fellow workers, it's the greatest exposure that you're going to have to lost people. Do they see Jesus in you? Your life should be a light representing Jesus Christ. We read Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. You know, I would rather hear somebody from work say, or when I was in a work environment say, you know, he may not be the fastest worker, but he always had a smile on his face. He may not be the fastest worker, but you know, I can tell you one thing, he loved Jesus. I remember when my brother passed away, John, he worked in a place that was probably 800 people, I think, at Sears. There were probably a fourth of them, 25% of that company, who showed up at his funeral, and he hadn't even been there very long. He had a testimony. That's what I want, is my testimony to be such that when I close my eyes in death, if people were to show up, I don't want them to come saying that, hey, what a great guy he was. Oh, he did this and he did that and all the philanthropy and all of this and all of the other. No, I want them to come because they saw something in me that they had to have. If a man like that can die with Jesus Christ on his lips and on his heart and that's the way he lived every day, he wasn't a hypocrite. Was he perfect? No, he wasn't perfect, Brother Corey. But he sought to please God. Is that the testimony you and I have? So we should have. You see, our work now, when we talk about it, now we're not just talking about a 9 to 5, 40 hours a week. Now we're talking about every day. For example, fathers, I'm going to jump on you for just a moment. When we go home and, and there's nothing wrong with relaxing. This last week, though, I was on a site and... This mother was struggling because her child, teenager, was using foul language, breaking all the rules in the home. And somebody asked this lady, to, after telling her that they were going to be praying for her, and I have, I prayed for this family this last week. And they asked, where is the father in all of this? And her comment was, unfortunately, he doesn't want anything to do with what's going on. He comes home and he turns on the TV 
and he grabs his phone and that's where he spends his time until it's time for bed. You know what he's teaching his son? Same thing. Same thing. Our lives, somebody look up 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2. Our life should not only be a light representing Jesus Christ, but our life should also reflect the Bible. Now, how, how can our lives reflect the Bible, Brother Doug, if we never read it? We can. Kind of hard to know what it says, right? It's like putting some together without the instruction manual. Yeah. Well, men, sometimes we think we're good at doing things like that. <laughs> but here's, 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 what we have to, here's what we have to understand when it comes to the Scriptures. The Scriptures are there for us to be able to read, to be able to change our lives. This is God's love letter to us. And we have talked about this before in the past in a class. Do you know just 13 minutes a day on average you can go through the entire Bible one time? In 16 minutes a day, on average, you can go through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice inside of a year. It is possible to be able to do it. And when we get to the end of the week, we talk about discipleship, we talk about accountability. Brother Gabe, we've been talking about accountability. How much time are we willing to sit in front of a TV? Or sit watching, looking at the internet, or searching the news, or, or whatever. Things that really are not important when it comes to the end of the day. And yet, not willing to spend time reading the Bible. Not willing to spend time praying together. I remember having a couple, and it's happened multiple times down through my ministry. I'm sure it has with that as well. And the couple came, and I, th- I think I've used this illustration before. If I have, I apologize. But I remember them coming and sitting down, and I asked them if things were going bad. And I said, how much time do you spend praying together? Oh, we've never prayed together. Do you ever read the Bible together? Oh, we've never. In all our years of marriage, we've never read the Bible together one time. But both of you claim to be Christians and show up to church on Sunday morning. Who is 2 Corinthians 3 2? Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Do you remember what we said this morning in regards to the churches in Revelation, the seven churches? What if one of those letters had been written to Yellowstone Baptist Church? What would John, what would the Holy Spirit have had to say through John about us? And if others are seeing our lives, and I've heard my dad say this down through the years, and maybe you've heard it as well, sometimes the only Bible people will ever read is your life. What does your life reflect? What does it read? If, if, if we said we were going to define you, fill in your name in the blank, we're going to define your life. Somebody was asking me, was that somebody downstairs this morning we were talking about uh, conducting funerals. I think it was Brother Al. And there was somebody else that was down there and, and I, I said 274 funerals. That was the number of funerals that I conducted as a chaplain over the course of eight years. Only knew three people that I've ever conducted the funeral for. And you know what's hard is sitting down with a family and trying to get them to share with you what this person was all about. What was it about their life? What is it that you're going to remember? And very, very rarely did I ever hear it started with Jesus. It ended with Jesus. 
I want our lives to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ in everything that we do. Whether we're driving, whether we're paying our bills, whether we're whatever it is that we're doing. Learn to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in every aspect of your life. It brings joy. It's what we're called to do, so it's a command from God. And to encourage others to be able to do the same. But unfortunately, because we're in that entitlement society, we've come to a point where nobody wants to criticize, nobody wants to call out names, nobody wants to say, hey, what you're doing is sin, what you're doing is not right before God. What a difference it would make within the local church if we were actually to live our lives, if we were to speak in such a way in in each other's lives and we cared enough for one another that we're actually encouraging them to be more like Jesus Christ. That's what I want to hear. That's, That's what I want from people. If I'm saying something, doing something or whatever that is going on in my life that doesn't point my children to Jesus Christ or my wife to Jesus Christ or to you, that doesn't mean we're not having a bad day or a bad week. But that should be my goal is to point others to him. And if I'm not doing that successfully or I'm having a bad week, I need somebody like Brother Gabe or Brother Diego or Brother Kurt. Or somebody else to be able to say, one of you other men come up and say, hey, looks like you're having a bad week. Can I just pray with you right now? What's going on? Maybe it's something that you can't even talk about. But I love you enough to know that your light is not reflecting the way it should right now. Your light is a little dim by the mark. You see, that's biblical discipleship. Uh, this some of this stuff is just very basic. I get that, but there are times that sometimes we just need to hear the basics over and over and over and over again, so that we can be reminded. When you go to do a job, you get told the same thing over and over, especially when you're in the learning process. No, this is the way you do it. No, this is the way you do it. No, this is the way you do it, and you keep doing it the same way until you eventually get it. That's the way it is with us. We keep doing it over and over. And what happens when we fail? We confess it as sin before God. We turn it over to Him and say, Lord, help me to do better next time for your honor and glory. I think having a different perspective on what work is, on how we are to act with our employee or with our employer will give us a better understanding of what God has called us to do. Everything you do is mission. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ this evening, you are on mission for Jesus Christ. So whatever you do tonight, whatever you do tomorrow, whatever you do on any day that ends in a Y, it's either for Christ or it's for you. That's it. Any questions or comments? Is somebody over there up to playing one more hymn? Yeah?